Would you care to step outside? We need to do this. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Brings are back, bitches! What is up, everybody? It's another Friday night here on Rain Man Digital, DC on RMD Titans Edition. And normally we'd be streaming live on Twitch, but not this week. And as always, you can check us out on iTunes. Well, not iTunes anymore. Now they call it podcast. Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify by searching DC on RMD to check out all of our past episodes as well as any other Rain Man digital episodes that are on demand. And you can check us out on Patreon and throw us a couple of ducats, which would be awesome. I'm your host, Steven, and tonight I have Paul. Hey. And Lauren is back. Hello, I'm back. Yay. But we had to kill David to get here. We had to kill David to get here. He (laughs) is not on tonight's episode, which is season three, episode nine, titled Souls, directed by Boris Majowski. I hope I didn't butcher his name. And Richard Hatem, who has written a couple episodes this season. But before we get into our episode discussion, we did have some news topics that uh, Paul and I have been discussing the last couple of days. weeks actually and the first one was something that just dropped uh the other day that hbo max is reportedly considering a gotham reboot now this was reported by we got this which i am unfamiliar with um they're mostly bad they are the worst is that what you said yeah okay like none of their info is correct (laughs) so i'm glad to actually hear that um simply because i read the article after paul sent it to me and i i grimaced um i you know i I watched the first season or two of that series it i watched i think i watched the pilot and i was just like fuck this show oh yeah fuck it big time and you know i i tuned in um towards the end there when they did bring in uh what's his face basically as the joker and just i didn't watch the whole thing didn't we 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 reacted to that specific episode right like the final episode of that series i don't we did a we did a i just i it wasn't yeah no i was mad i was too mad to have fun with it yeah it it was not my bag (laughs) um there was a lot of things that i had issue with on the show um but anyways apparently hbo allegedly is considering a reboot which really makes no fucking sense considering we're going to get a spinoff from the forthcoming the batman starring uh the vampire sparkly dude and it's going to be based around Colin Farrell as Penguin, which to me is a much more compelling and a much more interesting thing that you could evolve and evolve and spawn into a more Gotham thuggery. So like so my my takeaway here is like one of two things. Either A, it's all horseshit and none of it is, you know, <laughs> none of it's trustworthy. So boom. Or B, um, it's just like like a you know, poorly worded or like the point was maybe misconstrued. And like, yeah, Gotham, the show from Fox, fuck that show, fuck rebooting it. (laughs) But like, you know, we've been in Gotham most of this season of Titans. What if they 
you know, as as we kind of talked about doing like a Red Hood and the Outlaws show, what if they are going to do a spin-off show from Titans to remain in Gotham? What, what? if like that is what they're talking about? I and hope, like fucking I, aces. Give I it to me. I hope that's what it I Lauren, what are your thoughts? I hope this is like bullshit to the nth degree, but uh, Lauren, what are I your have, thoughts? I have one question first. Sure. Uh what the fuck is that photo? What is that photo in that article? Is that real? Yeah. Is that really what they made him look like? Correct. And it was kind of during that time frame of when Endgame was going on in the comics. So I think they borrowed a little bit from Capullo's um, version of the Joker. I mean, absolutely not. Endgame was so good. The version (laughs) where... He only had hair on the top of his head and the sides were shaved because this guy only yeah, has hair the on the opposite. sides. Um, and the version where Capullo's Joker always had a very slender man form fitting suit. He looked, and this guy is wearing like his dad's fuck. hand-me-down suit. It's kind of uh, reminiscent of, of what Heath Ledger wore in The Dark Knight where it was like wide shouldered and a little bit kind of stockier suit coat. But the whole thing is piss. So... Moving right along. I'm getting more like Nicholson vibes, but yeah. Okay, okay fair enough. Yeah, they basically took everything and fucked it up. But um, yeah. <laughs> the more important stuff that, that that Paul and I have been discussing is just over time how well this show, uh, DC Titans, has has um, evolved and, and gotten better. It was not like it was bad season one and season two. It wasn't. We, we love the hell out of it. It's just over time, they've kept sharpening that knife, kept you know, making the stories tighter and tighter. And I went onto uh, several websites. Just hey, you to, got, you got a tight little bit of research in here. I did. Uh, so season one, Rotten Tomatoes critic score was 78% and that was 46 critics. The audience score was 70% with 3,300 plus audience scores and TV series finale.com scored it at 9.46 out of 10. 264 people scoring it um i think season one was really strong it it was Mm -hmm. it was setting the stage right we were getting these characters introduced but you can understand the critics and audience uh having somewhat of a low score because they didn't they didn't introduce these characters and build them over time for the uninitiated so it really catered towards those of us that knew the source material season two rotten tomatoes the critics actually um, went up to 81% with 21 critics and the audience score was 63% with 856 uh, audience members rating it. And TV series finale.com gave it a score of 8.81 out of 10. And that was 367 people scoring it. Now audience dropped on that one. The TV series finale, which is basically people rating it. uh, That one also dropped, but I think there was a much more tighter focused uh overarching story to be told in season two yeah um so i was a little surprised and i and i think that speaks to why the critics probably bumped it up a little bit now we get into season three where all of us are basically uh salivating over almost every episode and rotten tomatoes scores for season three the critics have it at 100 percent. now it's only 19 critics <laughs> but we're only a little over halfway and, and I mean, season two was only 21 critics, and that was the, the whole season. That was the whole season. So we'll probably get some more traction, pick some more stuff up. Audience score for this season is 86% with 193. 
tvseriesfinale.com is at 9.4 out of 10 with 172. And IMDb over all three, they don't kind of break it down that way. At least I couldn't figure out how to break it down that way on their site. They have over 86,000 scores or ratings, I guess I should say, on IMDb for all three seasons. And it cumulatively is at 7.6 out of 10. So I think it's fair to say that overall, everyone's in agreement that it's it's at least a very watchable show, if not a very enjoyable show. But season three is absolutely killing it. So just to just I think some people may not know, and I wasn't 100 percent sure until I just looked, but um, it's as far as like. The scoring on Rotten Tomatoes, it's literally just fresh or rotten. And like the critic rating, they, they have to either choose fresh or rotten. So this season being 100%, yeah, that's only 19 people. But every single one of those people said, yeah, 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 this yeah. show's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> an excellent point, Lauren, because what it says is that this season is fresh as fuck. Like it is fresh so fuck. is so good. And and so I had to do that research. Paul and I talked about this the last couple of weeks after our, after our shows. And so I, I spent the time, I dug it up, and it was delightful to see some of this as I was going through. Um, so let's get into the meat of this episode, again, titled Souls. Um, and, you know, this, this episode... We we talked about the the themes that we've been seeing throughout each episode is kind of all tying back to fear or family, and this episode was really focused on death and the fear of death, processing death, dealing with death. It's it's a topic that every human being on this planet has to go, go through at some point in time themselves, let alone experiencing it through the loss of friends family, significant others, pets, um, we all go through it. And to start the episode off with Bruce having his will and testament drafted by Charlie, who, who the fuck is Charlie? Um, and then having to, to basically prepare himself for whatever he was about to do. Now I paused on my giant TV and I read the whole first page and it was littered with typos. And so I put in the notes here that, you know, the, the paralegal that prepared this should be fired on the spot. Like it was <laughs> poorly drafted and not double checked. Um, but it basically the first page, we don't see the meat of the rest of it. But the first page was basically like my estate, take care of all the debts, whatever debts are, are outstanding um, from other people owed to me. Um, collect those. And if other people owe those people debts, like they got to pay their debts. And it was just all about debt payments. So either Bruce is up to his eyeballs in debt or I, I don't know what, but Bruce ultimately, as we find out later, um, he was going to kill himself. Yeah. And not even like uh, just a quick and easy way. He's just going to have a nap and burn alive. Yeah, in a badass castle, I might add. Now, I, I, I can't I, remember. How well do castles burn? Because I imagine not at all. That was a brick castle. Right. And I've been in many castles and visited many castles in Europe. Weird flex. I'm just saying. And 
I've seen some that have burned and you know, you can repair the wood bits. Um, but it's, and then what do you, you just rinse off the stone bits and you're good to go. Pretty much. You just replace them and, and you're, you know, the stone stone, like it's that shit was built eons ago. And so I don't know what his game was here other than maybe he didn't want to seem like he took the coward's way out. Like, Oh, Oh, maybe the house just caught on fire. It's like, motherfucker, you poured kerosene all over the floor. Well, I mean, he wasn't coy about it either. Like he dropped the can. Well, not no, not even that. When he was when he was dealing with Charles, hmm. he was like, here is, oh, here yeah, is he this. You goodbye. had me write that up. All right. Goodbye. Farewell. I plan to do murder to oneself tonight. Like, yeah, it was very. Said, I'll bizarre. see you later, Mr. Wayne. Goodbye. Very bizarre. Um. But I, I I had a moment where I was just like I'm I was so taken aback by by Bruce doing something like suicide that for a moment I was like nah is he gonna fake his death but then like as he was standing there and he like had a flame in his hand I was like oh no 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 he really is like that's where he's at mentally I mean, right. yeah I, I would broken I would have bought faking his death like up until he was napping on the on the rug right i had i had a point of like denial where i was like no it's no bruce wouldn't exactly lauren it's very unbruce now it was unbruce of of bruce to kill the joker but i think him dealing with what he believes is jason being dead and by him bringing Jason into this situation and just everything that's unfolded uh, around Jason and the Joker, it clearly broke him, like you said, Lauren. And yeah. to take what a lot might consider the coward's way out was very not in Bruce's character as we know Bruce. But, you know, I, it, it, you can understand it. You can empathize with it. He is broken. He does have a flair for the dramatic Yes, he does. And <laughs> and so it was I, I really enjoyed the, that they started the episode with like a, a, a shocker moment like that to also kind of set the subtext of we're going to be dealing with death. And then then you're off to the races because now we're seeing Raven. Finally, she's back on screen. She's in Themyscira. She's she's being kind of trained I guess by the Amazonian warriors. I, I, I mean, I, I assumed that she was, you know, working on ways to get Donna back. And like, obviously some of that happened, but like, mm-hmm. it seemed a lot more like they didn't want her dirty outsider methods. And so like just this whole time training is pretty much all she's been doing. Right. Which is super cool because now it's, it's, she's not um, just going to be powers necessarily. They were teaching her how to be a fighting badass, and she was quite good at some of it. Yeah, I I really like the white costume. I'm yeah. just bummed that it's not like her cool white costume. It's it, just what they yeah. all fucking wore. <laughs> it could be, but it, what I appreciated about the costume design is there were elements to it to the design that are reminiscent of what we saw in the first Wonder Woman film that Gal Gadot wore. Um, with kind of like the over the one shoulder kind of mm-hmm. thing, so there was like a little bit of a connection there, which I appreciate. Um, but her her costume, who knows? Maybe we will see it at some point. But well, like yeah, I don't anticipate her like suddenly not having that anymore. Mm-hmm. It'll probably stick around, but it's not like her cool manifested white one. It's just the right. one that everybody on the fucking island wore. 
Right. It was a little a little more flary, I think, than some of the others. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Paul doesn't pay attention <laughs> to fashion. It's fashion, Paul. Look it up. So I, I don't it's know. It's only fashion if they don't all do it. Wait, no, that's what makes it fashion, right? It, everybody yeah. everybody accepting it? There, there you go. He's getting fashion, Lauren. Did you hear that? He's getting it. I got it. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, to your point, Paul, it, they were kind of very unhappy, or at least the headmaster, whatever, whatever her title is. She was clearly unhappy that she was using her black magic to uh, try to bring Donna back to life because they wanted to send Donna's soul uh, wherever it goes in the Amazonian uh, mythos, I don't know where it goes. Yeah, I, 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 you know, whatever. Not to, not to like specifically throw shade, but <laughs> they were a much more like God fearing conservatives than I expected Themyscira to be. Well, I mean, they do have to deal with Zeus and all those other well, gods. Right, right. And, but, like, that's, a, I don't know, that's a whole different pantheon. I didn't, I don't know, I wouldn't expect. Um, but, yeah, I think. They've I think, always been very disciplined, though. Like, very disciplined. You are expected to fall in line yeah. in Themyscira. Yeah. Have, have you not <laughs> seen Clash of the Titans? <laughs> <laughs> He's giving me a death look. <laughs> um, but it, it was cool because she tried to do it in front of people she tried to do it solo on the on the dl with nobody watching and then ultimately she got punished and had to rebuild a stone helix that the woman collapsed whatever her name was i don't remember her name um that then you know poor poor rachel had to sit there multiple times and try to rebuild it um and she almost got it i really wanted her like because when that was happening and she was like you know you just got to rebuild this stone helix. It's it's only as difficult as creating a human soul or fixing a soul or whatever. Right. Um, I really wanted Rachel to just be like, yeah, okay, I got this. And like, just genuinely, boop, just done. Do yeah. I know. And like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll let you try your way. I, I really wanted that as well. And I, I don't know how you guys felt about the actress. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And I was, I was looking her up uh, last night and I can't remember her name. Mean Lady Dead Daughter. Wait, what? Mean Lady mean Dead lady Daughter. Dead Daughter. That's what Rachel's name No, is? that's that's the, no, 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 no. the lady that uh, was mean to her. What is it? Oh, no, no. I, I was Reagan? talking about Rachel. Because oh. is she... Oh, is, yeah. it, is it Reagan? Is that her name? Uh, I can't remember. But she she put in a really good performance in this episode, I felt. Like, it, it, it felt more believable than some of the other scenes that we've seen in previous seasons. Um, Tegan. Tegan. Tegan, Croft. that's it. Not Reagan, but Tegan. Peanut Nar. And, and, and I, I appreciate that there was, there was some layers there, not to say anything ill about like the, her acting in the previous seasons. It was still very enjoyable and very well done, but there was just something about this, what she was doing here. She still had her little sass. She still talked back a little bit. She's still going to yeah, be Raven. There was, there was a, one specific moment that really stood out to me in exactly what you're talking about. Um, so first of all, she, I, I completely agree with what you just said. She feels like she has grown and it feels like we have left her for a few months and she's been kind of meditating and trying to mm -hmm. learn control and balance. Um, she feels like she's still her and she still has her personality, but she feels somehow more mature and there was the moment where she was saying, 
hey, listen, I'm going to defend myself really quick. We don't know that anything bad happened. And frankly, it's sad to see that you're scared of me. And I think that you're all cowards. And the way she said it, there was no malice in her voice at all. She was saying it in a way where she was feeling kind of sad and she was being quite delicate and gentle about it. But she didn't want to not say anything and be untrue to herself and not stand up for herself. It it takes a great actor to be able to deliver those lines in a way that doesn't sound angry or mean at least a little bit no it, it, you're, you're dead on lauren she literally came to them with a very sound almost psychological approach to it um you know you, you can almost imagine a therapist saying that right. to a patient because she called them out on it she called them out on how they were acting and behaving and for a who a person who's essentially a child, I mean, she's only like 17 or 18 in real life. I don't know exactly where she's at in this timeline of the show age wise, but to essentially be called out the way that that Rachel called them out. I mean, she's a child schooling her elders and she was yeah. not wrong. <laughs> So dead on, Lauren. Uh, she's just w- whether it's the writing of of those scenes was so well done, or um, or as well as her acting, or maybe she's gotten some some practice in between. I don't know what it it's, was, but it was I mean, special. It's you know, like obviously writing, but the actor, actress, the 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 performer is more comfortable being the character, mm-hmm. like allowing the character to be more comfortable with themselves. Th- exactly. Um, which like all really shines with a character like Raven, mm-hmm. especially in these scenes where like, you know, it's not like she was doing a bunch of monologues, but there were like every scene with Raven was like, she's the only person you give a shit about in the scene. And not to say anyone else is bad um, or like the actors uh, aren't, good but like she you know she is the name and everyone else is like we'll probably never see them again mm-hmm. um so you know she just she was given every opportunity to shine making her shine that much brighter when she did yeah and not just because she's mm-hmm. rachel and one of the titans but she really owned every scene that she was in and the other characters even when she was one-on-one with the mean lady um she she ate those scenes up to where you almost don't even like those other characters are almost background props. And it's not like they did a bad job acting. It's just, she owned those scenes and I'm, I'm happy for that because when she finally makes her way back into the fold, I can't wait to see what she brings to the table. Yeah, And, and even just this being the first episode fucking nine, the first time we're seeing her this season, like she, she's she's got to come in and she's got to like grab your attention as a viewer mm-hmm. like oh yeah mm-hmm. this is a character yeah <laughs> so yeah good good for her and good for the show for, for doing that yeah i agree so let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to break down the other half of of dealing with death because rachel was clearly processing and de- dealing with donna's death and trying to bring her back to life but there was also more death dead club and we're back. So the death aspect that was really, you know, I like this episode because it was really tight. 
we previous episodes in particular we had so many characters and they did a great job juggling all these characters and subplots and all these things but holy hell it was it was exciting but it was exhausting uh, uh you know with everything going on this one was much tighter because we basically have two stories outside of the initial Bruce situation, two stories. We have Rachel on Themyscira and we have Tim Drake riding the train into the afterlife. And the minute it goes to black and white, you, you know, it's either a dream sequence or, or, or something because he's on an old timey train and I immediately knew what they were doing with this because it is one very cool giant homage to a very old Twilight Zone episode called A Stop at Willoughby. And if you have not ever seen that episode and you haven't watched this episode yet and you're just listening to us, don't watch it. Get on Hulu because I'm pretty sure Hulu has it right now. Watch this episode. It is one of my favorites. Apparently it's one of Rod Sterling's favorites. I had no idea until I went and looked up what year it was made, which was 1960 is when it dropped. I grew up on twilight zone. Um, obviously I wasn't alive in the sixties, but reruns, it was one of my favorite shows. And this episode is amazing. And it's essentially an homage to it because it's about a guy on a train. It's a one way track. And that's what death is. It's it's a one-stop deal. You don't get to go the other direction, which they reference. And anyways, Tim is on this afterlife train, kind of between life and death. And he runs into fucking Donna. Like, What are the odds? What are the odds? So how long has she been on the train? <laughs> like weeks? Because well, yeah, we don't, right? we don't we don't know how She's... how time passes here. We do not. It's but... like purgatory. And but she's been dead in the the you know quote unquote real world right. in Themyscira for you know like three or four months, whatever. But uh, like Raven said. all of that nonsense that Raven has been trying might you know at least prolong. Yeah, it. that might be the thing keeping her oh, limbo, yeah, keeping her on the train, but preventing that, her stop, what have you. But that doesn't explain how um you know well before we get in so tim clearly has no clue what's going on he's in shock where am i at why is everything black and white who the fuck are you oh wait you're donna i i know you're donna he which he figures out later when he starts to remember a little bit because it's tim drake he figures everything out but he's not ready to, to to die as most of us and he jumps off the train and donna being donna is a superhero that's what she does so she's not going to just let the kid go. She's going to jump off after him and go save him. Even in the afterlife, Donna's trying to save people, which speaks to her as a character. It speaks to her as a as a human being, Amazonian god, whatever. Um, I just thought that whole bit was super bitching that it is this homage to an old classic episode, but retold in such a badass way. And then, of course, as they're being chased by these ghouls okay so re- really quick like you know whatever if you watch the episode you know and if you haven't and you're just listening to us i guess get ready for a big old spoiler <laughs> um but before before you say who it was and i i like who it was more than who my guess was but when the car pulls up and tim opens the door and it's a suicide door i thought it was going to be bruce Ew. Oh. 
That would have been maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah. We didn't learn yeah. about Bruce's fate until way I was later. Like, did we just jump right to this? What is, and then, and then it was, uh, you know, the what, scene played out six seconds longer and I was happy. So what <laughs> gave it away for me, so you focused on the suicide door. I focused on Bon Jovi blasting out the, the windows. Music, yes, absolutely. They've been killing it with the music this entire season. It, it, it's great. Whoever's choosing the soundtrack choices is doing an awesome job. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, this has got to be fucking Hank. If Donna's here and this is the afterlife, got to be Hank. And lo and behold, it's Hank. Driving the badass old muscle car, pumping Bon Jovi because of course he is. It's Hank, and like, I, and so then in the car, you know, uh, Donna's like, "Why are you? What's going on?" You know, Donna clearly knew what was going on on the train. She'd figured it out. Um, she told him what was going on, but then she's confused by why are you here, Hank? And his quote, "Jason fucking Todd." Deathstroke meets the gimp. And the man's kind of not wrong. <laughs> That's a kind of kind of accurate with that description I mean, of Red Hood's costume. At the same time though, I'm not going to hate on it at all because it's like very fucking comic accurate. It's like, awesome. It's, oh yeah. no, it's, it's great. Awesome. It looks great. It looks cool, but it's it's funny because like objectively that's pretty accurate. Yeah. If you if you think about it. But yeah, no. Death uh the the costume for Red Hood looks great yeah. on the show. Love like, it, and it is comic accurate. But but Hank's funny. But yeah, <laughs> but it's Hank, and every every scene that he's in, and he's speaking lines. He he, he also just chews through the scene. Like his lines, not only are they very well written for the character they've made him out to be, he is. He is Hank. Like he just embody the, the actor. Just embodies that character so well douchey but you love him like you can't not like the guy unless you're david and david's wrong so yeah glad david's i think what, this week. <laughs> one of my favorite roles that alan richson who plays hank um has done just because he is a more over-the-top version of hank um it's it's blue mountain state and he plays this uh captain of a football team in college and he's like the most over the top he's just this douche but like he's kind of stupid so you can't help but love him so it's, right. it's a little bit different than hank for sure and way more exaggerated but like he's really good at stealing scenes he's really good at um just those quick cutting lines that just break through and there's his line and that's got you laughing for the rest of the scene, or yeah. at least like chuckling. It, it adds some levity to what would normally be kind of a dire situation anyways. I mean, they're in the afterlife, right? And so all the little one-liners and, and, and quips are, are very well done. And, and he, he kind of has to be over the top, right? I mean, uh, Hank, or in his persona of Hawk, is a ridiculous superhero. I mean, he's dressed up like a giant bird with a goofy color scheme and i mean if you're wearing something that flamboyant and goofy you kind of have to be over the top let's be honest yeah so it was really cool that he was in the car and and but again what's he doing the same damn thing that donna was doing with tim he's out there helping people he's out there helping people escape the ghouls and try to somehow magically get people back 
to where they want to be, which is back alive. And he, he's heard of a upside down tree where apparently there's a special bridge to me. I immediately thought rainbow bridge to Asgard for some reason. (laughs) Um, but Donna doesn't want to go. She's just ready to die, which I felt very sad about. Like, it's yeah, it's it's weird that her like she wanted to move forward and like I get that, but you especially here, like being on this train and seeing like you know, whatever. So take the information that we have right now and look at that. Um, you know, Tim just got on the train and they were already calling him for his stop. Why has Donna been on this train for, you know, theoretically right. months? Who knows how time works in there or what mm-hmm. she's like, you know, experienced, mm-hmm. but she's obviously been on that train longer than probably most of the people on that train. And like, is she cool with that? What, what, what is the stop? Is it heaven? Is it hell? Is it nothingness? Like, is this just the goodbye? Like how it's, I get wanting to move forward and like stop dwelling on things. But like, especially in this very specific scenario, like you have no idea what forward is. And like, if the opportunity to like not be dead anymore and then like utilize that to move forward in a more, um, I like, I, I know what's going to, I know, I, I know what this existence is kind of a plane. Like I, I, it's it's fucking, it's weird. I, I was very distraught by her, her, her reaction or statement that she, in her mind, moving forward was just to die because she didn't like that. She got killed at a carnival and she felt it wasn't a, 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 maybe a proper or honorable death even though, she, as Hank pointed out, you saved somebody, you saved many that's, people. That's probably just some, you know, uh, some Themyscira stuff, you yeah. know, kind of bubbling up to haunt her. Yeah, death of a stuff. yeah she yeah. didn't die in battle, blah, 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 something yeah. like that. Um, like, it wasn't good enough. Um, so it's probably a lot of that kind of stuff, that insecurity of like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm only, you know, half Am- Amazonian or this and that. It's probably that kind of stuff building up. But mm-hmm. I, I think the 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 thing that stood out to me there is exactly like Paul made you you made a really good point. You said that she's been on this train for longer than Tim, longer than everyone. She still hasn't had her stop called. Mm-hmm. And yet it was probably like Raven and the Amazonians, you know, kind of stalling this. But right. at the same time, Hank keeps talking about, you know, yeah, what are the odds? You know, that's crazy. It can't be a coincidence. And like, what if this is why you're here? What if this is why you haven't gotten called off the train for your stop is because you weren't supposed to go yet. You were supposed to die so that you could be here. Yeah. And and help Tim maybe or help me or me help you. Maybe this is why we're here. And and moving forward is going back. Which which like just how you just said that. Step back for a minute to and, and think about how Lauren just framed that. That is some wicked smart fucking writing. Like to make Donna's purpose to be the hero in the afterlife, and essentially w- what we see happen um, on the on the bridge when they find the bridge and the ghouls are on both sides. She saves Hank. With the lasso, which how freaking cool was that shot? It was like a low angle. You you think 
Hank's going over and sh- you just see the lasso, yeah. or sorry, Tim, when he jumps and you see the, t- the, the lasso fly out from off screen and go around Tim. I was like, holy shit. It, it was like straight out of a panel, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. so cool. Um, and she saved Tim in the afterlife. And the reason she had the lasso is we found out because Hank whips out two giant desert eagle hand cannons in that <laughs> restaurant apparently you can just if you think hard enough will whatever the hell you want um and it takes hank a little because of his you know he's kind of a dummy head he, he he couldn't get anything worth a damn and the fact that he got robin you know robin rings bird rings bird rings there you go um and then nunchucks and then hits himself in the head again Classic Hank. Everything about that was classic Hank. <laughs> but she ends up saving Tim and and whooping ass. She's got her cool ass sword. They're whooping ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah and when she pulls the sword out. Like I, I, I'm not even kidding. When she when that lasso came out, like I had chills. Like it was so badass to see it. I mean, maybe that's corny, but I liked it. No, I did a little cheer out loud. Yeah, it was so cool. I I. And, you know, granted, we're we're not there yet. We got to see where the rest of the season plays out. But, like, just her, you know, whatever, complaining about the way that she died. And, like, yes, I saved a bunch of people, but, like, I shouldn't have had to die to save this one and, like, all of that. And then, like, what you two just said where her... Her her purpose for dying was to be there to save Tim. Yeah. And, like, you know Tim is going to be integral to, like, saving the team at some point yeah. in this so it, it, like she is like the you know one way or another she's gonna be like the ultimate hero because because of this because of bringing back tim right and you know i in her mind to think that the the dying at a carnival while saving something somebody wasn't wasn't in her mind an honorable death I think most people would disagree. Obviously, it wasn't as you guys pointed out a a battle death, but in this case, she fought her way out of a battle with arguably some of the worst people you could fight against. I mean, they're soul sucking ghouls in the afterlife, and then saves Tim. Like, holy shit! How badass is like, that? It's like she spent all this time on this train having nothing but her thoughts right like nothing but her just dwelling on how she died and no wonder she feels down about it Mm -hmm. and then it's like it's like at the end there okay yeah she summons that sword she manifests that sword and she's she's working and she's kicking ass and she's fighting and then that moment where she is able to manifest her lasso it's like she's it's it's like her journey to get back to herself and her purpose is complete. Yeah, a hundred percent, Lauren, hundred percent. And again, wicked smart writing as far as I'm concerned. It all works. It yeah. all makes sense. And for her to then also come back to reality uh, or or life, as it were, um, and magically where she ends up coming back to the the mortal plane or the, you know this mortal coil um she's in bruce's castle 
as he's about to burn to death, or at least at the very least die of smoke inhalation, um, and saves Batman. How, like, how is my question? How did she know? It's, it's not a matter of whether she knows. It's a matter of forces beyond our understanding. Not only was her purpose to save Tim, when she got back here, her purpose was also to save Bruce. So any then, self-doubt that she had is yeah. washed away. And and all of oh, that sure. purpose stuff is super cool. And you are right. And I know that's what we were talking about. But since you since you went to like the saving Bruce part, like I, how I need some hows right yeah. now. Yeah, I, um, I need hows. You just have like to believe. Our, how was she there, or how did she Jason, know to go there? Jason came did back with the Lazarus pit. So, like, is is like her and Tim literally like overcoming death and you know crossing the bridge? Is are are they gonna have some kind of fucking powers from that, or like was her missing body like Raven's cue? Because you see some like black smoke whoop whoop a I, couple times. Yes. So you think Raven was just behind sending her there? And that's and, what my thought was before. Uh, before the end of the episode, like probably, I don't know, a third into the episode, or at least when they ran into Hank and he starts talking about he he had heard of a way back. My initial thought was like, are we going to get a reverse Lazarus Pit explanation? Are these guys going to find kind of like in uh, Stranger Things, the upside down? Are we going to find an upside down kind of inverse Lazarus Pit where you're on the other side of the pit? And then they were going to come through. Yeah, you just crawl out of it. You crawl out of it or something. But since we had Raven doing her crazy magic, um, again, we do not know at this point the extent of Raven's powers. She doesn't know the extent of her powers. Uh, She's still figuring that stuff out. So I'm going to take a leap of faith with the writers here that they will tie that up with a nice pretty bow. Yeah, we we still have so many questions in general about like what actually Bruce was doing and like where he was and all of that. And I feel like those answers are coming. So what you know, how exactly Donna just did what she did. Yeah, I'm sure that's coming, too. Yeah, I, I just in my mind, Raven and her magic did something that opened a gateway and it just allowed these two people to go right to the place where they needed to be raven herself or like with the team she can like night crawler around like that's a thing i think we've already seen that so i have no issue with that it's just that raven raven approached the body that and donna had awoken so it wasn't there and then like the next thing we're seeing is donna saving bruce so just like when did the little meetup happen it's just i guess dumb exposition that we don't need but i would like to have I, i i think again Knowing what's going on with Starfire and her crazy visions, it almost makes me feel like in some weird way, Raven is telepathically connected to these people in a way that we don't know of yet. And and maybe she doesn't know. It's all subconscious, but she's planting seeds or putting people in the right place at the right time for the right reasons. And if that's not the case, then I don't know, Paul. I, I don't know what to tell you. Other than keep watching to find out. We got, what, five episodes left? Six. Six episodes left, which is more than I thought, which is great because I want more. I don't want it to end. Um, The other thing that was funny is after Tim and Donna get back, Hank reunites with the OG Dove. Yeah. 
And that was a nice, a nice moment. It was, he's going to at least be stuck in the afterlife, if not make it to death eternal, but they're going to kick ass and take names together to help others. Now, if they can even help anybody that that's assuming that Raven gives a shit about anybody else. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Uh, Dove and Hawk, because it's not Hawk and Dove yeah. in, in this situation. It's Dove and I Hawk. Mean, yeah, him, him, him fucking, you know, sacrificing himself for Tim and Donna to get out and manifesting the bat and just kind of going to town. Like, the, uh, my presumption is that, like, okay, well, here's the warrior death for him. And then he makes it out of that shit and yeah. then meets up with that. Like, this was... I thought like a lot of the conversations and shit that he had during what was it, episode three, where he had the bomb in his chest was really kind of like wrapping things up and kind of his send off. But like this episode, literally like being a send off and giving him like the happiest I'm fucking dead ending you can have with reuniting him with duh, uh, Don and, um, you know, them just have being fucking let's let's just fucking kill bad guys in the afterlife. Like it's, that is that is the best possible thing that can happen yeah. for this character in this setting. It's nice, but one thing it does it does two things. One, and they even mentioned this with um you know, Donna makes a comment about uh, Donna says uh, oh, Dawn must be devastated that that you died. And he's like, well, she better be. Fucking better be. She fucking better be. But what that does is it means when Donna and Tim eventually reunite, or at least Donna reunites with Dawn, she's going to have to say, provided they remember their experience in the in the afterlife or purgatory, as, as it were, she's going to share that with Dawn and then it's going to take away the meaning of the loss in some capacity that Dawn felt um, the guilt over. Now, it may make her like, feel better about I, it. I think, like, everything that you were saying, yes, unless that thing never happens. Which is totally plausible, but it kind of undoes the uh, the depth and gravity of the of that part of that character story and how it impacted I, her. I would say, I would say um, what you're saying, except I would specify that it takes away the the magnitude of the negativity of his death. Yes, and and, and to add to that, Lauren, it takes away the the mag uh, gravity and 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 how much Hank's death in general not just affected the team and how they have reacted this entire season to his death, um, but also us as viewers reacting to that death, right? Because mm -hmm. it undoes when he dies. That is truly when, when that bomb explodes in his chest in that episode, that is truly a holy shit moment. Like I didn't want that to happen, but I, 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 it works and it's, it kind of undoes that feeling that, that I had I, at that moment. I, I disagree. Okay. I think, I think that moment for me was a big, holy shit. I can't believe they actually killed him. I wasn't prepared for them to actually kill him. I thought for sure he'd be saved. And I had this whole like panic, like, no, I fucking love Hank. Um, but like, wow, how impactful. And I don't think this does undoes that impact. At least not for me. For me, it's just, it makes me feel 
like I'm ready to let go of the character. But, yes. but, but you know what I mean? Like it feels like I've finished processing I, my grief because I know he's okay. So I totally <laughs> understand that. And again, going back to the theme of this episode around death and coping with death and dealing with the grief, as you just said, Lauren, um, it does still work. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about death when it does happen in life where you don't always process it um fully or in a healthy fashion yeah. and and so that also was part of life because it can happen so quickly and unannounced in a moment's notice and so that feeling of that episode of Hank dying that we all felt it, it, there's a finality to it of like holy shit I didn't expect it it happened and there's nothing I can do about it and I, so you have to live with the same grief that the characters have to live with I appreciate the opportunity not to though uh like like honestly because Fair like enough. um you know but i'm i'm sure majority of listeners have you know seen some episodes of the walking dead or game of thrones or whatever shows where people die a bunch mm-hmm. and you know that a lot of times yeah like we as the viewer are left kind of with the same um reaction or the same like circumstances as the other characters in the show have where like oh this character's gone now um this as like closure for us as viewers Mm -hmm. makes me feel better about like because yeah it'd it'd be fucking great if he just wasn't dead and was still around but like this as closure for his situation and the two people that he interacted with weren't you know neither neither tim nor donna were there during the whole like bomb in the chest exploding diet so like i don't think that takes anything away from any of them um we don't know what the situation with dawn is or if she'll ever even come back mm-hmm. so like hey tell dawn i loved her uh or i love her was i i feel like a a good capper to like the send-off for him and not necessarily actually something that donna is ever going to relay because like fucking dawn knows like it's whatever and we may never see her again we don't know right now we we don't know but but what we do know is is they're both back and i think there's something very much what you said earlier paul that tim might be the key that unlocks the rest of what's to come for the titans and whatever that may turn out to be um, he said he's not ready to die yet. Um, whatever happens, I, I believe it will be what gets him, it earns him his wings. It will be the thing. And, and it'll be interesting to see if it's, um, uh, Dick as Nightwing bringing Tim on. I can't imagine it's going to be Bruce after what we just saw Bruce do. <laughs> so I like, I didn't expect to see him like again. Like I, I, I thought I thought we were done and he was gone. Mm-hmm. So at this With point, Bruce? yeah, just like from the series, honestly, yeah. Um. So at this point, like I could see, yeah, I'm fucking no. Maybe maybe by the end of the season, we pull like a full fucking turnaround. Bruce is back as Batman in Gotham because for some reason everybody forgets that he killed the Joker and like he takes on Tim as Robin 
and he he robins it up during you know the 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 between seasons break Mm -hmm. and he's like a full-blown robin character doing whatever needs to be done for next season like you know whatever we'll see what happens but like i'm not i'm not I'm not crossing anything off the possibility list right now. No, now it's, I think it's wide open. So let's take another quick break and then we'll come back and give our final scores. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, guys, we are back. Um, Lauren, why don't you go first since we haven't had you uh, so long? I was afraid long. of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't rated an episode in a couple weeks, so I don't know. Um, let's see here. I, You know what? For all of the writing and everything, I'm going to give this one a 95. Fair enough. Give this one a 95. I think I've said enough about the episode to to just let that sit on its okay. own. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I mean we we really just kind of hammered out all the uh all the <laughs> thoughts did. worth having, especially because <laughs> David wasn't constantly interrupting with how much he hates Hank. So <laughs> he would give it a negative like 40 because of Hank. It was it was a really interesting episode, but Hank was in it, so I'm going to give it a 62. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I think I'm going to go a 93. I I, I okay. really enjoyed the episode, everything that it did. I think it it was a unique way to handle that, and I didn't expect like I expected the eventual outcome, right? Getting getting mm-hmm. these characters back, but I didn't expect like any of the way that we got there. Um, so it was just it was just a fun train ride the whole way. I agree wholeheartedly, Paul. And and funny enough, I'm giving it a 95, just like Lauren. That was what I, I you know, I don't like to put in my score before you guys score because you can see the notes and, and I don't want to <laughs> sway your, but I, I'm with Lauren on this one. The, the creative use of, of black and white, not as a memory, but as this transition to death um, again, and playing that, playing up the homage to the twilight zone Again, guys, go watch that that episode of The Twilight Zone. It is a phenomenal episode, and this just played right off of it in a in an excellent fashion. So um, I I should have checked before you went. I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, David did send me a number. Okay, um, what is David's number? Already mad at him. All right, so <laughs> David David's got yeah. He's what is it? 
I'm, I feel like I'm getting called out, but David has an 87. Um, he says it brings up a lot of new questions. Some cool, some not so cool. Hank's back. Dot, dot, dot. Yay. God. Question mark. God damn it. All right. We're going to have to. I wish that was a joke. Fuck it's you, David. Not, it's not. You you flash the phone. I, I God damn it, David. All You're right. Real piece of shit. <laughs> That's going to do it for this this evening's episode of DC on RMD Titans edition. Big thanks to David and Lauren for being here and or for Paul and Lauren for being here. Not to David. Um, Paul was a ghost the whole time. Yeah. So remember, you can always check out our past episodes of DC on RMD on DC on and check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and the Patreons and everything, DC on RMD. And we'll catch you guys next week. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 